0: Jesus is better, for Jesus is the only way to God. Uh, Jesus is, is better than Muhammad. Jesus is better than Buddha. Jesus is better than Hinduism and Judaism. Jesus is better than secularism and pluralism. Jesus is better, for Jesus is the only way to God. And I have been so conditioned by our culture that I can't even hardly say those words without cringing just a little bit. I, I mean, anybody else? It almost, it almost sounds like fingernails on a chalkboard. I believe them. I, be, I believe what I just said. And yet, and, and many of you probably do as well. That's, that's why you're sitting in church instead of a mosque. And yet to actually say those words, Jesus is better. It just sounds so, so arrogant, doesn't it? It sounds so self-righteous. Can we say that? If you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. I believe it, but without a doubt, this is one of the most offensive things any of us can possibly say in our culture. It's true, isn't it? And this, this past couple of weeks or the past couple of months together, we've been looking at these hard sayings of Jesus. His shocking statements, jolted the things that he said that are just, they just sort of blow our mind that he, he would say this. And here Jesus tells us that he is the only way to God. And even though it is one of the most offensive things that we can say, Jesus doesn't give us any other option Jesus is either better or he is worthless. He's either true for everyone or he's true for no one. But isn't that, isn't that one of the great problems of our world today? I mean, religion and, and especially exclusive religious claims. People who say, I am right and you are wrong are killing each other. Mistreating one another, oppressing one another. I mean, and absolutely, that is, this is one of the world's greatest problems. Just look for two seconds at the Middle East. So what are we to do about it? Well, I'm just going to warn you up front. Our time together this morning is going to get a little bit complicated, a bit, a bit philosophical, probably even a little bit long, Okay? This is a little bit more like a, a seminary lecture in some ways than a normal sermon because I think this is one of the most important issues that we struggle with today in our culture. And so kids, students, especially you who are, are here with us, this is going to be a tough one. Okay? I'm, I'm going to tell you. But you more than anybody, more than me, more than your parents, as you get into middle school, high school, college, this is the water that you're going to be swimming in. And if you want to take your faith seriously, we've got to wrestle with this idea that Jesus says he is the only way. So hang with me. We'll we'll do our best to get through it. But I I already used the phrase here, exclusive theological claims. And I I want to make sure we understand that here. Because um, that's a b- great place for us to begin as we think about this. I said exclusive theological claims or beliefs are, the, are one of the big, world's biggest problems. We'll just abbreviate here. And basically, an exclusive theological belief is any belief that says, I am right, and you are Wrong things that are mutually exclusive. So Allah is either God or he is not. He can't can't be both God and not God. Jesus is either God or he is not. Uh, You either root for KU or K-State, right? There's no middle ground in those scenarios. It is one or the other. It is either or. It is never both and. And it's true. Exclusive theological beliefs, people who say that they are right and we are wrong or they are wrong, mistreat each other, oppress each other, and even kill each other. So if I say that Jesus is better, how am I not just adding to the problem? Am I just adding to the problem? Well, maybe. And honestly, there have been plenty of people who have claimed to follow Jesus throughout history who have done way more harm than good as a result but not necessarily. Because if we actually believe that Jesus is better and actually believe the good news that he proclaims, it will never, it can never lead us to arrogance or superiority. In fact, the very idea if we follow Jesus should be absolutely ridiculous. Every worldview has the potential for oppression. Every worldview. Christian, Muslim, secularist, pluralist. And everyone has a worldview, a way of interpreting reality. And everyone thinks that their worldview is the better worldview. That's why you hold that particular worldview. And even if you say all worldviews are equal, all belief systems are equal, that is in itself a worldview. And it's a worldview that says it's better than your worldview if you don't believe that all worldviews are equal. A little complicated, I get it, but we're going to try to unpack that a little bit. The problem isn't that people make exclusive theological claims or beliefs because everywhere, everybody everywhere does this. You, you, you can't avoid it. You can't get around it. The question is, where do those beliefs take us? Where do they lead us? Only believing in Jesus leads us To humility and love on behalf of even the people who think differently from us. Even those who would want nothing more than to destroy us. Everybody makes theological claims. So that's not the issue. The better question for us is which claims are true, which claims are best for our world? Only Jesus. And Jesus said, He is better, for He is the only way to God. Okay, so we're going to do our best to answer four questions this morning, okay? Um, Why do Christians believe that Jesus is the only way to God? What's the alternative to believing that Jesus is the only way to God? Um, In what ways does Jesus claim to be better? And how should we respond? And let me go ahead and give away the ending here, okay? This is the the spoiler alert, because I know it's a little bit complicated. So I want us to make sure we at least understand where we're headed. Our goal this morning is not for any of us to be able to walk away and feel a little bit better at arguing. It's not, it's not that we'd win arguments or, or debates or that we would feel superior for, to one another, to, to those who believe differently. If that's our goal, then our good news is garbage, and we are guilty of everything that we are accused of. That's not what we're doing. We become like the, the seven-year-old who just, you know, says, my dad could beat up your dad. My God is better than your God. Na-na-na-na-na. That's, that's not what we're doing. That's not the goal. The goal is that we'd be able to say with confidence, Jesus is better, believing with joy, not self-righteousness, serving with urgency, not apathy, walking with humility, not superiority. Okay, so that's where we're headed, okay? We all together? All right, let's, let's do our best here. So question number one. Why do Christians believe that Jesus is the only way to God? We'll go ahead and turn to John 14. We heard that passage read just a moment ago. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 14. Uh, We believe that Jesus is the only way to God because Jesus says he's the only way to God. And so if you say Jesus is not the only way to God, what you're saying is that Jesus is either a liar He's a delusional fool, right? He thought he was the only way to God, but he's just sort of an idiot. Uh, Or that he's a fairy tale. He's nothing more than a legend, but he's not our savior. Being a Christian means trusting in Jesus, right? And trusting Jesus means trusting what he said. And if you don't trust his words, then you make yourself to be Jesus's judge. And if you are his authority, then he is not your savior, And so you can can believe that Jesus is the only way to God or you can believe that Jesus is not the way to God whatsoever at all. But Jesus never gives us the option to believe that he's one of many ways. John 14, beginning in verse one. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself and where I am, that where I am, you may be also. So Jesus is, is telling his disciples about this, this re, being reunited with him, that, that there's this afterlife, heaven or, or new creation in which, in which God is going to bring those people who trusted him back together. That's, that's kind of what's going on there. And Jesus continues in verse 4, he says, And you know the way to where I'm going. And I love how Thomas responds, you know, doubting Thomas. He's, he's the same guy here. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. So is he a liar, a delusional fool? A fairy tale, or really and truly the only way to God. Now, you've got to picture the scene in which Jesus said those words, the, the context here, because Jesus's death is right around the corner. The disciples are afraid, and so Jesus says this to them to give them hope that death is not the end, that they will be with Jesus again, for that in Jesus they have seen God. Jesus doesn't tell them any of these things to make them feel superior or to help them win arguments about religion. He tells them to comfort them. That's how he starts. Let not your hearts be troubled. Because soon all of these disciples would watch their Messiah brutally murdered. And they themselves, every one of them would face incredible oppression. Most of them would be murdered for following Jesus. And so Jesus tells them this so that when they are being tortured, when they're in prison, when they're oppressed, when they are being murdered, they can believe deep within that Jesus is better. That Jesus is, he's the way to God. That that even though I am being destroyed, even if I am being killed, I am safe with God because of Jesus. Jesus tells them this to give them hope, not arrogance. Arrogance to give them an ability to trust. Christians believe that Jesus is the only way to God because that's what Jesus told us. And if Jesus really did rise from the dead, then we have to take him seriously. I mean, if he didn't, then who really cares what he said? But if if that's something we believe about him, then we have to take his word seriously. And so you can believe that Jesus is the only way to God or you can believe that he is not the way to God whatsoever. Jesus never gives us the option to believe that he's one of many ways. Jesus is better for Jesus is the only way to God. But how is that not arrogant? I mean, how, how can we possibly say that in a pluralistic society like, like our own? Well, what's the alternative? I mean, saying Jesus is the only way may possibly lead to arrogance and oppression. It shouldn't, but it's possible. But so can any other belief system, including the belief system that says there is no belief system. So what is the alternative? I mean, we could, we could compare uh, Jesus with Buddha or with um, Muhammad or, or any of these alternatives, but I don't, I don't really think that'd be all that helpful for us. I mean, that's, that's not where you and I tend to be tempted, right? We're, we're not tempted to say, no, Jesus is not the only way to God. Somebody else is the only way to God. The alternative for us is believing that Jesus is one of many ways. Because that's, that's what our culture tells us, right? That's, that's the message we continually hear, that, that every religion is fine, every, everybody's good. We all kind of get it right, right? We all, you know, lead to the same spot. And that's called, essentially, that's called pluralism. Pluralism is our big alternative to believing that Jesus is the only way to God. Pluralism says that, that there are many ways to get there. We can't really know which way is better because we don't have all knowledge. And so that, therefore, every, every way is okay. Every path is just fine. And so the pluralists, what, what we really need to do is get rid of this. No more exclusive theological beliefs and everybody's just sort of okay with pluralism. This past week, I finished reading an old novel, a mystery novel by Dorothy Sayers. And uh, in, in this novel, there were, there were six murder suspects. And all of them looked equally guilty. I mean, there is circumstantial evidence surrounding each of them. But can you imagine if like two-thirds of the way through the book, you know, I'm reading this, you know, relaxing, enjoying myself, and all of a sudden, imagine if the detective had said, you know what, they all look pretty guilty. Let's, let's just throw them all in jail and call it a day. Let's, let's just not worry about the details. Let's just call it good enough and move on. I mean, it'd, be, it'd be ridiculous, right? Nobody would ever want to think like that. And yet, essentially, that's what pluralism is. Pluralism takes a cursory glance at the world's religions, the faiths of the world, and says, eh, good enough. They're all mostly the same, and so let's just call it a day. In our culture, pluralism is our big alternative and the fastest growing religion in America. So let me say three things about pluralism. First, Pluralism promises way more than it can deliver. I mean, it looks so humble, right? And they mean well, they really do. But it can lead to just as much superiority and arrogance as anything else. A pluralist might say that religions need to eliminate their exclusive theological claims, right? To to get rid of, of those things. And yet exclusive theological faiths continue to grow across the globe at a rapid pace. It's it's naive to say that we can just sort of brush them away and no longer have exclusive theological beliefs. Because really, I mean honestly, if you take your Buddhism seriously, if you take your Islam seriously, if you take your Christi- if you take your secularism seriously, whatever faith you hold to, you hold to it because you believe it is better. That's just that's just part of what it what it means to to hold on to those beliefs. But aren't aren't all religions really just the same? No, they're not. Some believe that God is impersonal. He's distant. He doesn't interact with humanity at all. Others believe that God is is deeply personal and, and intimately involved in humanity. Some believe that Jesus is God. Others believe that he is nothing more than a prophet or a teacher. Some believe in sin. Others don't. Most religions believe that you have to earn your way to God. You have to be good enough and do the right things and go through the right motions. Only Christians believe that, no, Jesus has done that for us, that he's the grounds for our acceptance. Religions are not all the same. Okay, so they're not maybe all the same, but aren't they all equally valid? Nobody actually believes that. I mean, not, not even the best pluralist believes that all religions are equally valid. I mean, child sacrifice? Practice for centuries by countless religions? Nobody, nobody takes that seriously as a, as, a, as a reasonable way to approach God. That's discarded. What about David Koresh or jihad or religions that oppress women? Nobody nobody thinks all religions are equal. I mean, we we all make our judgment calls. We all rank them. Even the best pluralist is, is going to put their favorite at the top and their favorite or their least favorite at the bottom. And if we're able to do that, then who's to say one couldn't possibly make it to the top as the most effective, the most beautiful Nobody actually believes that they're all the same and that they're all equal. It's naive. And so essentially, pluralism sounds like a really good idea, but it promises way more than it can deliver. And yet, you know, the pluralist says, but but, but listen, exclusive theological beliefs are destroying our world. And they are. I mean, we know that, right? We could s- turn on the news. We know exclusive theological beliefs are destroying the world. We've got to eliminate exclusive theological beliefs, the pluralist says. And frankly, this is the most compelling part of their argument to me. See how we see the destructive nature of what happens when people say, I am right and I am wrong. It is incredibly compelling, except for this. If they get rid of all exclusive theological beliefs, the pluralist ends up destroying themselves. Because pluralism is an exclusive theological belief. It just doesn't work. So pluralism is a theological belief. Let's talk about that for a minute here. Uh, Again, pluralism sounds so friendly by saying that theology doesn't really matter. God loves everybody. No one is right and no one is wrong. So let's just all get along. There's a lot of appeal to that, isn't there? Especially in our culture, especially with the violence around us. But that is a theological belief. For example, let's give Let's give two theological statements here. Okay, so you've got two, two theological statements. Number one is Jesus is the only way to God. Number two is there are many ways to God. These statements cannot both be true, right? The words only and many exclude the possibility that they can both be true. Okay, one is true and one is not. Neither of these statements can be proved, right? Of course not. I can't prove that Jesus is the only way to God and the pluralists can't believe that there are many ways to God. Um, And these are are theological statements about the nature of reality, the nature of God, the nature of of man and sin and, and salvation. These are, both are statements that cannot be proven, that must be believed by faith, that tell sort of an explanation of metaphysical reality, of the way life works. So for example, if you believe, number one, Uh, which I do, Um, there's a lot of theology that goes into this statement. Number one assumes that God is righteous, that man is sinful, that we as humans need a savior, and that Jesus is that savior. It's a lot of theology right in that sense. But there's just as much theology in number two, because number number two assumes that God doesn't really care that much. He's not really a holy, righteous God. He's just sort of there. He, and he, he doesn't mind that much. And, and man really isn't that bad. We don't need a savior, certainly. And that the, the, the greatest expectation that God has for us is that we try a little bit to live a decent life. That's, that's who this God is. And so you can, you can believe either of these. Okay? I mean, it's, it's a free world, right? You can make that choice. But you have to acknowledge that if you believe number two, you are making a theological statement that you believe by faith about who God is. Just like this one says a lot about God, that I believe by faith. They cannot be proven. Both are theological statements. Tim Keller writes, he says, ironically, the insistence that doctrines do not matter is really a doctrine itself It holds a specific view of God which is touted as superior and more enlightened than the believers of most major religions. So the proponents of this view do the very thing they forbid in others. Essentially, what the pluralist says is doctrine doesn't matter just so long as you believe the doctrine, that doctrine doesn't matter. Do you see the inconsistency there? It doesn't work, it breaks down. The pluralists have their own theological convictions and they try to convince others that their beliefs are better. I mean, you, you can't believe that Jesus is the only way. Not, not in our culture, not in our world. You have to believe that Jesus is, is one of many ways. Essentially, don't believe what you believe. Believe what I believe. I mean, pluralists, honestly, they're, many of them are more faithful at trying to get converts than we Christians are, aren't they? And essentially, what they want to do is they want to get rid of this, and yet they're still left with this. But they are right, and anyone who says otherwise is wrong. And so, if, so pluralism is, is an exclusive belief, guilty of what it condemns. So if someone says that the world's greatest problems are the world's religions, what, what they're essentially saying is that their religion, even if their religion is no religion at all, is better than their, the other people's religion. Again, even if their religion is no religion at all. So Christianity is the problem. Islam is the problem. And they have the solution. Now, if I say that my exclusive theological beliefs are the best, things, best thing for the world, if I say that Jesus is the answer to the world's problems, I am a fundamentalist hate monger. But if the pluralist says that their exclusive theological beliefs are the answer to the world's problems, our culture just sort of nods in agreement. Do you see the inconsistency there? You can't have both. But isn't it arrogant for us to believe that we have the truth? Isn't that just sort of a a cocky mentality, so so short-sighted, so narrow-minded that we actually believe that we have the truth? That's, That's a fair criticism. Absolutely. And some of us, the way we act about what we do with the truth, how we think, how we live, is absolutely arrogant and it's inappropriate. Are you familiar with the, the analogy of the, the blind men and the elephant? Does this ring a bell? Okay, this is often used in this discussion. And so the pluralists will say that, that religion is, is like these blind men touching the elephant, okay? Uh, they can't see the elephant, and everyone feels a different part of the elephant. And, and so one, you know, t- touches the, uh, the, the tail and says an elephant is like a rope. It's true, right? The tail is like a rope, but it's incomplete, right? It doesn't describe the whole elephant. Or, or another will say, you know, the elephant is like a tree because all they touch is the leg. And that's true, but it's incomplete. So how can we Christians say that we have the whole truth, that we see the whole truth, that we see the whole elephant? But here's the thing, and I agree, that. I mean, that, that's a fair criticism. But the same is also true of the pluralist, because this very analogy assumes that they see the whole elephant. I mean, how else would they know that we don't see it, unless they see the whole thing? Again, Keller responds here. He says, uh, ironically, the, ins- oh, wrong spot. Okay, he says, how, how could you possibly know that no religion can see the whole truth Unless you yourself have the superior comprehensive knowledge of spiritual reality, you just claim that none of the religions have. So essentially, while all the religions of the world only see part of the elephant, the pluralist gets to see the whole elephant. Arrogance is possible on both sides of the fence. But one one more complaint. How can you blame someone from a different culture for not believing in Jesus? How... How can we blame them, right? I mean, religion, we know that religion is, is so often socially conditioned. We believe the things we believe because we're, we're raised in environments that believe similar things. That's often the case. That's a fair critique. But again, the same is true of pluralism. I mean, people in the East today or in the Middle East or in Africa, they're not pluralist. Plural, pluralism is a religion for recent Westerners, Period. I mean, really, if you think about it, Christianity has been more widespread than pluralism, making pluralism the more ethnocentric, socially conditioned option. Because Christianity has has spanned generations, right, and spanned all of geography in various places. So here's what I'm getting at, okay? I know it's a lot on pluralism here. Here's what I'm getting at. Jesus may be wrong, okay? But he's not wrong because of his exclusive theological claims, Because everybody everywhere makes exclusive theological claims. Are you you tracking this? I'm not saying that pluralism is illegitimate. I know that I don't see the whole elephant. But I am saying that pluralism and Christianity both come with very similar liabilities, similar challenges. Both have to be believed by faith. Both, Both come with the possibility for oppression. And both are exclusive. So if that's true, the question isn't how do we get rid of exclusive theological claims? It's just, it's impossible. We can't do it. The question is which set of exclusive theological beliefs are true? Which are better? And I can't prove the answer to either of those questions. But at the very least, we have to look at what Jesus says. Because Jesus says that he's better. Let's, let's look at this again here. In what ways is Jesus better? Or does Jesus claim to be better? Back, back to John 14. Why is he better? Well, he tells us. In verse 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus says, he says, I am the way, the only way, here and elsewhere. Jesus claims to be the Son of God, to be God himself. He claimed to be the only way to God. Not just the superior path, but the only path. And Jesus says, I am the truth. He's not just better as if he's one choice among many, like we're choosing between Coke and Pepsi based on preference. He's better because he says that only he is true. But he doesn't just reveal the truth or show us the truth. He says that he is the truth. And I believe that the story Jesus tells, the story that we, that we find in Scripture, the story of reality, the story of humanity, that his story is the true story. And even though we may struggle to believe, I believe that his story makes the best sense of our reality. I think, I think it's the story that we all know deep within us, the story of creation, fall, redemption, new creation. We, we know that story. Because anytime we complain about something, anytime we get frustrated in a situation, what we're saying is it shouldn't be this way. Essentially, we're saying we were created for something better than this. And every time we experience the brokenness around us or within us, it is a statement that that this world is messed up. We know that. That's the fall. And yet we long to get better, don't we? We long to see our world get better, to experience improvement ourselves. That's, That's redemption, this idea of redemption that he calls us into. And every person everywhere asked, what's next? Where's it all going? It's the idea of of new creation. This story, the story Jesus tells, makes the best sense of our reality. His story isn't just his story. His story is my story. And we find our place in it. He says that he is the truth. And he also says, I am the life. Because only Jesus, only Jesus died for our forgiveness and rose for our restoration. Of all the faith systems, ours is the only one with a God who conquered death by dying and was raised to life for our resurrection. Jesus is the only path to life. And the only way to receive him is by trust in him. Jesus, I believe that you are the way. I believe your truth. Let me enter your life. Ramachandra writes, When we explore the great religious traditions of the world, We come across many great figures who impressed their contemporaries with the other-centeredness of their way of life. They lived lives of exemplary courage, compassion, and sacrifice. And he gives examples like Muhammad and Buddha. In all these cases, though, there is no call to personal allegiance, no claim to be communicating anything other than a word from God or an insight into ultimate reality. They didn't make the kinds of claims that Jesus made. On the other hand, he continues... We come across people who do make self-centered claims, but these claims do not impress us for very long. He mentions Hitler and Idi Amin and people people similar. Their megalomania led them into forms of brutality and self-aggrandizement, which seemed to fit quite naturally with the claims that they made for themselves. Every person who has ever claimed to be everything, right, to be the one, has been a disaster. I mean, history shows us if you make the kind of claims Jesus made, You are a disaster to to yourself and to the people around you. That's what history says. Every person except for one. It is here, he continues, that Jesus stands out as unique. One may search all the religious traditions and still fail to find one like Jesus who makes seemingly the most arrogant claims concerning himself and yet lives in the most humble and selfless manner conceivable. Jesus of Nazareth simply boggles our imagination there is no one in all of history like him. For he is the way, the truth, and the life. So how do we respond to all this? Again, this, um, I, haven't, I haven't proven, right? I haven't proven that Jesus is the only way or, or that, that Jesus is the truth. I couldn't prove it if I wanted to. I mean, I think there are good reasons to believe and I think I don't think we have to, to move logic behind us to be able to believe in Jesus. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it comes down to Faith. It's something I believe by faith. But I hope at the very least you see that believing in Jesus is just as intellectually coherent as believing in pluralism. In fact, honestly, I think it's a little bit more coherent and frankly a whole lot more honest. Not only do I believe that Jesus is true, I believe that he's better. I believe it is so much more satisfying. If he really is better, his truth demands our response. And remember, this is, this is where we began together, right? This is where we started. Believe with joy, serve with urgency, and walk with humility. Believe with joy. John 14, 6 is not an argument or a debate, it is an invitation into a life of comfort and joy, peace. If any of us walk away this morning with a smug, good, I'm right attitude, you've entirely missed it. Our response this, this morning together should be, Hallelujah, I am rescued. The way, the truth, and the life has found me. We should believe with joy. And, and if you, you don't believe, you're here sort of checking out faith and, and Jesus I understand the struggle, okay? I I know doubts deep within me. And I know what that's like to deal with those. But I want you to hear at the very least that you don't have to check your brain at the door when you become a Christian. You, You don't give up on logic and reason and sound intellect. You can continue those things and yet still be a person gripped by faith in the Son of God. Believe with joy. Second, serve with urgency. If Jesus is the only way to God and people without Jesus are lost, I mean, if we actually believe that, wouldn't that change something in us? We'd share the message of Jesus with others, wouldn't we? And we'd serve others in such a way that they, they could see the message of Jesus lived out in us and we would give generously and serve sacrificially so that others elsewhere could experience and hear this message of Jesus if actually we believed it, wouldn't we? If Jesus is better, if he is the only way to God, we've got to do something about it. Not with arrogance, but with compassion. Loving the people around us, wishing they'd experience the life that we enjoy. So who can you tell? Where can you serve? How can you give? What can you do to show this message in your life to the people around you? Serve with urgency. Finally, Walk with humility. And this one is so important in our culture because this this is where we get attacked and accused and oftentimes rightfully so because we don't walk humbly with this truth, with this message. But if there's anything we know and understand about Jesus, it is that this truth ought to lead us to incredible self-sacrifice. I mean, there is no doubt about it. One of the greatest problems in our world is the exclusive claims of the devout. But we all make exclusive religious claims. I mean, pluralism isn't the answer. what, What could be done, right? If pluralism was the answer, outlaw religion? I mean, that's what some of the extreme pluralists would say. Just get rid of all exclusive theological claims. That's been tried, right? It was called communism in the 20th century, who also blamed religion for all of its problems. And it is estimated that in one century, the 20th century, between 85 and 140 million people were murdered as a result. I mean, religion, yeah, it does come with some violence, but anti religion isn't, isn't so great either. We see that. Pluralism is not the answer. We can't get rid of exclusive religious claims, but there is one set of exclusive religious claims, one path. It says that we are to love our enemies, that we pray for those who persecute us, that we, we give up our rights for the sake of others. We do good to those who oppose us. There is one way that has such a high view of life, as if we were created in the image of God or something, that we will pour out ourselves for others, even those who mistreat us, who abuse us, even those who think differently from us, even those who would want nothing more than to destroy us. There's one way that leads us to even defend the rights of people who believe differently from us, defend the rights of other religions, those who disagree with us. Only one set of exclusive theological claims makes arrogance and judgmentalism absolutely ridiculous. Only, only one way has, has the, the kind of confidence that we can say, yes, everybody does get part of the story right, even if they're on the wrong path. And so we can serve one another and love one another and care for those, even when they're different. Only one set refuses to mock, even when we are mocked. Jesus Christ is better what we learn in the cross so clearly is that Jesus loves every person so much. The God of the universe became a man and died on a brutal cross just so that he could rescue us and be with us. He loves every person that much. How can we not love people who are different from us? How can we not love the people who disagree with us and who think differently from us? How can we not do that because Jesus did that? The cross also teaches us that we are so broken, so messed up. You and you and you and me. Our sin is so ugly that Jesus had to die in order to rescue us. To rescue me. How could I possibly be arrogant or judgmental or superior towards anyone? Because that's what it took to rescue me. How can we not stand with others, care for others, love one another, even when we disagree? Walk with humility. We can believe we are right without being jerks. Just look at Jesus. It's the way he lived, and imagine what our world would see if they saw us as followers of Jesus loving and sacrificing and caring for those around us. Christians hold exclusive beliefs, and I believe that those beliefs are the best beliefs in all the world. But our exclusive beliefs are about the most inclusive person who ever lived, Jesus Christ. The most inclusive God imaginable, for he invites every person to come to him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, help us to live this out. God, we believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Or most of us believe that anyway. God, I pray that that way, that truth, that life would so pervade everything that we are that we would live with such incredible love and compassion and humility for the people around us. That our world would see you in us and through us. And God, that there'd be great joy knowing the claims that Jesus made. Yes, these are hard statements, but God, hallelujah, we have been rescued. The way, the truth, and the life has found us. Give us joy now as we worship you together. In Christ's name, amen.